Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. So, um, we always like to start off by saying, you know, we know who you are, uh, but our audience may not, and we would love for them to have that introduction. So if you were to give like an elevator pitch of who you are, who are you? Oh, okay. My name is Denzel Scott. I am a 31-year-old Black queer poet, essayist, genre fiction author what have you, jack of all trades, maybe a master of some, hopefully a master of some sometimes. (laughs) Perfect. What do you consider to be your greatest passions when it comes to the world of poetry and literature? Mm, I would say most consistently try to build an interplay uh, between the high and the low, the sacred and profane, and generally, I guess, the ugly and the beautiful, those most consistently seem to be what I'm attached to um, in my work. I guess just as a general kind of attempt to make meaning of my own life. Who out there has kind of like spoken to you along the way? Who have been those voices that have kind of helped like push you in that direction or your main influences for that? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean... I guess the work, well, the the authors that whose work I try to explore most consistently have been the works of Toni Morrison or Dan S. Smith. I mean, when uh, Jericho Brown, I've, I've read at least one of their works, so I actually return to them <laughs> to see what they have to say. So I would think that serves as a as an influence of sorts. I mean, generally. Let's say, for example, the understanding of ugliness explored in Toni Morrison's debut work, The Bluest Eye, how she explores that particular theme through the trajectory of the Breedlove family, uh, particularly how she kind of speaks of it. In the case of Pekala, the main character, I mean, to kind of wear ugliness as a shroud to kind of maneuver through the world that way, you know, that was profound to me because Mm. as a kind of black child, you know, there are, it's unfortunate and it still kind of plays out today. I think, you know, unfortunately with the passing of Michael K. Williams, um, there's been kind of these interviews going around and a particular one that I kind of found myself returning to was just, him kind of having to come to this understanding of being beautiful and then like a a kind of childhood 
journey that he had to go through his entire life to kind of reaffirm his own worth and someone of that that kind of excellence having to do that kind of work you know perpetually and i don't know it just that resonates with me i not always felt the most kind of attractive and so my work was always an extension of this this kind of plea for beauty this kind of plea for dignity you know that kind of interesting little stance you know for better for not but that's that's generally what i do i love that i think that's, what you do that's is a- what you do is so powerful i think at the heart of everything is kind of that we all want someone to recognize our beauty and just ourselves be able to recognize our own worth and that we are beautiful and so many of us struggle with that in such a profound way thank you so outside of the world of literature do you have another maybe passion because clearly you're moving the world of literature so is there a way outside of that where you are moving <laughs> <us>? <laughs> i mean i, I would love it. Thank you so much for that kind of compliment. Well, you're mo- you're moving me, so. Thank you. I would say, as a passion of sorts, yoga. Been trying to convince my mother and my sister to kind of uh, just you know simple practices. I find it really liberating. I mean, whenever I have the chance to practice, I always feel like I'm you know, singing with the world. My body just Ooh. feels like it's supposed to be here. If that makes sense, it's like you finally feel grounded. You finally feel this point of this is because it's not, or at least you know, I tried it. If I'm going to be in a kind of a practice space, it's not a competition. Thank God for that. It's it's just a practice of exploration of of just real kind of non judgment of flow and of inspiration. I mean. Going into dancer's pose always feels hilarious. I always feel freeing because it was something I just didn't know the name of it until I actually attended the yoga class. It was just something I did, you know, naturally. Crow's pose. I mean, I don't know. It was, it was something at least motivating enough where I actually was trying to, it's very brief, a little flirtation with trying to become a yoga instructor, but I ended up... Ooh becoming a water treatment operator instead so <laughs> what no stop for a second it's such a very where, where is this weird pivot because i have an mfa <laughs> and uh-huh. yet i'm now doing water treatment i have i just gained my uh class three license congratulations thank you it's i want to send bizarre. you like a cake or like <laughs> flowers or balloons but like i want to send you like an oddly shaped cake somehow like (laughs) wow i mean that is definitely a conversation you went from wanting to be a yogi to water treatment that's uh i mean it was at the time i i was unemployed and (laughs) i was exploring you know my options and (laughs) yoga studio near where i live was kind of doing this this training kind of course or whatnot. And I had taken a few classes at the center and I like the people, but it was, it was just a lot of kind of, what do you call it? Initial or like first investment of the classes. When if you miss the classes, like you would start a process all over again, it was a lot of learning, but 
I had so many other kind of things going on where that didn't seem like the best fit. And I needed health insurance. I needed, Hallelujah. I need, you know, I've, I, I'm, I'm not trying to go into a lifestyle where I'm perpetually performing in order to, I don't know, it, that would take away yeah. the opportunity of it just being a thing of joy instead of a thing which I find, oh, I, you know, this is the way that I have to engage with capitalism. Mm. The water we treatment. Game. We were is, educators. <laughs> that was the other thing. Before that, I was I was involved with Teach for America. So there's that. It's you know, <laughs> for someone you know, I would think still reasonably young. It's been a story journey. That's Absolutely, sure. and it leads to good writing. Yes, it does. It does. Yes. So, so do you have uh, when you sit down to kind of go to write? What is your writing process? Is there a superstition that you have or like rituals that you have to go through? You're lighting 14 like candles behind you and three sticks of incense. Um, um, what is your process? <laughs> I mean, generally, because I guess this is supposed to be a conversation, I'm assuming to, to inspire and also to kind of build corroboration with others. So I mean, generally, I don't go into rituals so much as, I want to see if I can remember. I'm constantly, I guess, recording things for my own benefit from, you know, I remember as a child, because I was attempting to write a novel, that I came across a book dealing with crystal meditation. Hmm. Never really forgot that the sacred chakras, crystal alignments, you know, it was interesting to read that as a form of therapy. I was like, okay, but I imagine, you know, this is something I could possibly use in some kind of a genre fiction piece in the future, if not, you know, in this, this project I was working on then as a child or some form of philosophy kind of, utilize that I may have come across in school, uh, generally just simple conversations with people as I'm not building is, for example, a piece that was published in the gambler. If I remember correctly, little, I don't even know if that, I'm, I believe it still exists, but it was a piece built around a phrase that my brother used just very casually. Cause he was very funny. He said, niggas got more heart than Jesus. So I was like, that's interesting. That's a strange phrase. So let's see if we can build an entire piece around that. And I know I wanted to kind of utilize the image of crosses swing in an incandescent night. I wanted to utilize the image of the duality of kind of pistol and you know male genitalia because everything is for some reason very phallic in the world and we constantly return to that as you know our source of inspiration you want to go to the moon you're going in a phallus <laughs> you want to build a skyscraper that you know is some kind of monument to industry it's going to be a phallus there's it just for some sure reason, is. it's always <laughs> so, it's like, okay, 
there are ways to kind of build kind of a playful, dualistic sense with these images surrounded by this strange kind of phrase, you know, it's just flippantly said, but slightly blasphemous, slightly interesting, you know, see what kind of piece can come out of that. And I mean, it's generally how I kind of approach a lot of my pieces. It was a piece that I had in three element review that was built around. I had, for some reason, grown greatly attached to watching a video game I've never owned. Someone play through it just so I can hear the dialogue because it was so bizarre. And it was based off of work, like a novella length work. I want to say the title is I Have No Mouth, But I'm a Scream. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was nightmarish. You know, that image, the whole of the game is just this exercise of nihilism. So I thought, well, if I can use that idea of having no way to express oneself and this deep and profound need to scream, to kind of vocalize one's one's suffering, why not kind of carry that image through as a wish to become a sycamore tree, to be a thing that has no mouth, that yearns through its flowers, through its bloom, through its whole existence, the kind of primordial scream. You know, I thought it was interesting. So I'm from the South. Why not use, from Savannah, Georgia, of all places. So why not use something so particularly picturesque and combine it with something so so terrible as, you know, the murder of your family members and uh, the kind of constant death you find yourself surrounded with. As looking at kind of your roots and um, where you come from in that way, and looking at our next question in pitfalls, does that bring its own kind of set of obstacles for you? Or hmm. I was just thinking personally, I'm, maybe I'm projecting a little here. I was just thinking personally in poetry, sometimes we're putting ourselves and looking at your own roots with that. Is that bringing up wounds or are you, is that hard to do for you when you're looking at the place you're from or surrounding yourself in um, situations like that in putting those two pieces together. I was just hearing you as you were describing that situation and where you're from. I would say, because this wasn't the original kind of, I guess, trajectory of magic. <laughs> it wasn't. I'm so sorry. It was just... <laughs> no, but the thing is kind of... And here I so, am just to throw a rock in the whole conversation. <laughs> I don't know. So when I came home today and my home is my grandparents' caretaker, I'm going to be transitioning to hopefully soon enough a property that's nearby so I can just continue in that capacity to the extent that I, I mean, they have their own children. My father was their primary caretaker until he unfortunately passed. So then I took on that responsibility. But today I came home and a portion of the ceiling in the kitchen had fallen through. Just over the course of the night, I am dealing with a sinking window in the room that I am in and several other kinds of overwhelming situations um, still. And this is the home in which around maybe a mile and a half at the most, probably under a mile, my brother was uh, murdered. So I get to cross that almost a daily basis. And my father didn't die uh, much further away in hospice. So, I mean, I'm constantly surrounded by these things. It's not so much that I have to work to invoke them, 
they are With constantly. You. So the kind of the activation of those things, they're almost effortless. The thing though is what I hope, you know, in the broadest sense is that people seek a variety of things from someone like me. Because in truth, I don't only write about those things. Not at all, actually. No. And I've only just recently kind of gained, I'll hopefully be debuting a genre fiction piece soon that um, is actually an excerpt from the childhood work I was um, mm. doing. I, I mean, I never really let it go. I was constantly trying to work through and understand what I wanted from this idea to to make it, you know, palatable for a mainstream audience. And so it has nothing to, I mean, it, it is definitely influenced by, you know, the kind of reverberating images of death and pain and, and, you know, deprivation that I guess I navigate. But generally, that story, I mean, it's a whole world. I mean, I'm attached to this idea of death as an act of creation, but still it's, it's overflowing with beauty. It's overflowing with sumptuousness. And I want people to take those things from me just as much as any of the other kind of more personal creations that I can offer, just because I think that's true to me, but then it's also true to, I mean, various authors of color, various backgrounds. You know, it's still very hard just to find our work celebrated in a mainstream way that is not an articulation of an egregious amount of suffering. Our lives are filled with overwhelming joy. Our lives are filled with overwhelming commitments to community and care and faith and, you know, just a commitment to the widest expression of humanity. So if we can find ourselves propelling that that forward because I'm I'm fortunate of I'm trying to move away from this pessimistic notion that this is simply a manner a time of vogue in which people are, you know, caught up in this idea that, oh yes, you know, racial justice is interesting at this particular point in time. Let us engage with this variety of work that was there before, of course, all these kinds of unfortunate and terrible incidents have occurred. Please, if we can have a consistent uh, engagement with those things, once those things have left the headlines, once those things have, you know, moved into the periphery of our of our understanding of the world, because people of color, I mean, generally, we are here. Our stories are important. They actually help shape the world in more intellectual and creative ways. It is of great benefit for us to participate in the world in this widest sense. So please let us do so. Thank you. Then I think that's a good way to head toward, toward kind of our final question. What are you most excited about in literature right now? Are there any authors or anything that we should be knowing about and what might be coming up next for you? Mm, I mean, mm, uh, well, I mean, I believe you all are familiar with my friend, uh, you know, Chris Butler, his work that just came on his uh, micro chat. That's pretty cool. He's actually looking at my, so I have two full length uh, poetry collections 
one that's dealing with, of all things, that was a fairly interesting little experiment, a haiku collection that deals with queer sexual uh, engagement in various um, species, thinking it, or at least I thought of it as a, an interesting kind of poetic ecological study or poetic ecological kind of exploration. But the other piece that is far more personal and it was just is my collection that deals with how I understand my own kind of intellectual and emotional situation in relation to kind of the American project as a whole. It's kind of looking into a triptych. So I got to reflect self, culture, and society, kind of an homage to the class I took at the University of Chicago, which I loved, which was a challenge, but I loved still. Mm-hmm. I mean, generally, just overall, in the kind of the world of poetry, the world of literature as a whole, is just because I honestly have a difficulty in ascertaining if there's just like this major kind of trend in form that's taking place or trend in ideas that people are currently exploring as I guess like a as a mass movement. But yeah, I mean again still what I am enjoying is seeing more diverse voices being presented, being held up and what those voices bring along with them. But I would say it's something to actually see people differentiate between individuals in which they really didn't in the past kind of art movements or, you know, surges of these, these authors kind of coming into prominence. It's right. Oh, well, it's not just, you know, another black author or another Asian author. They actually commit to individual idiosyncratic, particular artistic expressions. And it's like, oh, you, it's nice to recognize that. It's nice to see that <laughs> people might be thinking, oh, this person isn't just a Harlem Renaissance writer or something like that. It's like, oh, that person is actually doing a particular technique. Look at that. Look at that kind of, you know, engagement in the broader literary kind of, you know, stance and movements and whatnot. So it's nice to see people pay attention, differentiate, and care. Because that is an yeah. act of empathy to kind of yeah. see someone and what they're doing and and say, yes, this is worthy of, you know, of my sight. Well, thank you, well, thank so, you much. so much. Uh, we course, look forward, you. yeah, we look forward to seeing what's coming up next for you. Thank you for hanging out on TPQ20 and we will talk soon. We appreciate having you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe. 